welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Good morning. The bride. Okay, I got a question for all the men. How does it feel to be called the bride? The bride of Christ. Is it a little bit squishy, a little? It's okay. It's okay if you feel that way. But I think I got a word for you. Uh, if you do, if you're a little uncomfortable with being called the bride of Christ, if you're a guy, the word that I've, I feel like I'm getting for you is get over it. Because <laughs> you're the bride of Christ. You're part of the church. That's who he's called us to be. And we can become comfortable with that, no matter how big and burly we are, like me. <laughs> so we're talking about the bride. We're talking about the seven letters to the churches that uh, start out the book of Revelation. Last week we started the series. Pastor Kevin talked about the church at Ephesus. You remember what he kind of stressed, what he, uh, the, the takeaway was from that? Go back to your first love. Remember your first love and then do what you did because of that first love. So how many of us did that this week? We had a great time in my life group talking about it. Uh, it was really a good, a good sermon, a good explanation, and a good uh, kind of a, a jolt for us to remember that first love because it's so easy to just wander away from it. Well, today we're just going to jump right into Scripture and, and move along. How many of you brought your Bible? If you did, put it up. Raise it high. You can, if you use a phone, or you can do that too. That works. All right. Well, while you got it up there, repeat this after me because I think this is a good affirmation for us. This is my Bible. This is God's Word. It is truth. All of the answers to life question, life's questions are here. God's Word guides me. God's Word comforts me. God's Word is a light to my path. There is no higher authority in the land. Every promise from God that I find in here is true. Every prophecy I read in here is accurate. This is my Bible. This is God's Word. It is truth. Amen. Thank you. Well, let's turn right over, since you've got it out and handy, let's turn right over to Revelation 2. Um, We're going to look at the 8th verse. We'll go through the 11th verse. And you can read along with me as you go. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Amen. That's God's word for us today. Well, today's message was written as a message on persecution. But the Holy Spirit's doing something here today. And I don't think he wants me to talk about persecution. The Holy Spirit started something here today 
that is good. And I think the Holy Spirit is going to continue to flow along those lines. So today we're going to take this word, this, uh, this letter to the church of Smyrna, and we're going to look at it from a different perspective. We're going to look at it from a perspective of who God has made us to be in persecution or not. So let's look at that as we move forward. So Smyrna. Smyrna is a small city in Tennessee. It's got, <laughs> it's got a Nissan plant. Oh, really, it is. But that's not what we're talking about here. Smyrna. It was one of the, the largest cities in, in Turkey back in the day of, of Jesus and, and soon after. It was a big, a major metropolis there in Turkey, and uh, lots of good things were going on there. There was prosperity, there were nice buildings, there was a nice infrastructure. So Smyrna was a great place. The citizens there were educated. Sometimes they could be harsh and judgmental, but they were educated. They had a lot of good things going on there. Homer was from Smyrna. You know Homer? Don't! Not that Homer. The Homer that wrote uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? So that's Smyrna. It was a big, beautiful city. It was a city of beauty, but also it was a city of suffering. If you were a Christian in Smyrna, you might uh, consider it more of a, a city of suffering than you would a city of beauty. It seems like the, the beauty part was for those who, who worshipped the Greek gods, or the Roman gods, I'm sorry, and the Roman deities, the emperor. They, they believed in emperor worship there. Uh, so the beauty part of Smyrna was that. But the other, the persecution part, was for the Christians. So Jesus wrote this letter to the Smyrnans. He starts it out by saying the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Now this, this letter to Smyrna isn't really the most encouraging if you take it and look at it in a certain way. But regardless if you're from Smyrna, Tennessee, or Smyrna in Turkey, or in New Hampshire, you can take encouragement in these words, the first and the last who died and came to life. Because you know, no matter what, no matter how bad our day is, no matter how much tribulation we might have, no matter how much persecution we might even face, Jesus died and he's alive. And he did that so that we could be alive and so that we could become conquerors and we could overcome the second death the spiritual death that the enemy would like to take away from us that the persecutors would like to take away from us so Jesus says to those in Smyrna that he knows the tribulation he knows what they've been going through he knows he's been there he's the first and the last remember he's been there and he's been there on both sides he's been there in the future because he's the first and the last. He's outside of time. He's outside of, of our, our time frames. And the, and the way we look at time is a linear thing. Jesus, God, is bigger than that. He sees the beginning and the end. And he knows the beginning and the end. And he knows the poverty and the tribulation there in, in, in Smyrna. He knows that there was tribulation that they received at all different kinds of levels. There was slander. The, those who claimed to be Jews those who were ethnic Jews, but who didn't follow God, who didn't believe in Jesus, they would slander the Christians, the Jewish Christians there in Smyrna. They would say, and some of it is crazy, silly things. They would say things like, they were cannibals. Why were they cannibals? Because they drank the bread and the wine and call it the body of Christ. So they must be cannibals, right? That's insane. Their love feasts, their weddings, they called 
the slanderers would call orgies. They were called atheists because they wouldn't follow and worship the Roman gods. They were called arsonists because they spoke... This one's really funny. They were called arsonists because they spoke about the fire of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Well, then maybe they can call us arsonists too because we saw today the fire of the Holy Spirit in this place, right? Amen. So all these things would come against the people of Smyrna. And even more than that, you know, Jesus talks about there's going to be a day come. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have tribulation. 10 days in prison of tribulation. You might think, well, we can survive 10 days. We can survive anything for 10 days, right? But many people believe that these 10 days, these 10 days were where the Christians were thrown into prison and on the 11th day they would go into the lion's den to face the lions. Well, that 10 days of tribulation might not seem so bad, but that 11th day is going to be a tough one. But Jesus is preparing them for this. But what does he say? What does Jesus tell us there in verse 10? Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Do not fear these 10 days in prison. Do not fear what comes after that. Because you remember back in, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew 5 and 6 where we're journaling now, Jesus tell us, tells us to be anxious for nothing. He reminds us that he's got everything covered. He's the first and the last. He knows the beginning from the end. And he says, be anxious for nothing. And here in verse 10, he's, he's reiterating that. Do not fear for what you are about to suffer. To as much suffering and tribulation as the Smyrnans are already seeing. So Jesus throws this one on top of them. Oh, well, you know what you're getting now? Well, don't fear what's coming. <laughs> that doesn't sound very encouraging. If what's coming is worse than what we have now, and think about our situation in the church in America today, those slanderers who would talk against us, those who would try to tear us down, those who would try to defeat the church, the enemy who wants to defeat the church and defeat us. And Jesus is saying to us, be not afraid for what is about to come. Be not afraid for what is about to come. Because you know what? There are different levels of tribulation There are different levels of persecution. But Jesus tells us to not be afraid. And why does he tell us that? Look a little further down where he says, Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Don't worry about what's to come. Just live faithfully. Just be faithful unto death. Live the way I show you to live. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. Follow the Holy Spirit and do the things the Holy Spirit leads you to do. And don't worry about what's to come. Because you know what? Something bad could come. You know what? Something not so bad might come. We don't know. The truth is we don't know the future. And Jesus is saying, since you don't know the future, you don't know what's coming, don't worry about it. I've got it covered. I was there in the beginning. I'm there in the end. And I'm there with you now. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. But be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful and he'll give us the crown of life. So as we live, live out our lives, as the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and we, we take our minds away from that anxiety and those things that, that might cause us fear and we move forward walking in the Holy Spirit, we live faithfully and Jesus prepares the crown of life for us. He prepares the crown of life so that we can receive it. 
we receive the crown of life. And you know, it can almost seem sometimes like it's just a lose-lose situation. Because you know, the truth is, we are going to die someday. We may die by persecution. We may die by natural causes. But unless Jesus comes before the end of our lives, we are all going to die someday. And it could be by persecution. And then when we do, if we've lived this faithful life, we get this crown of life. We get the crown of life that Jesus promises us here. But what do we do with our crowns when we receive those in heaven? If we read a little bit further in the book of Revelation, we take those crowns and we use them. They're a tool for us to worship Jesus as we lay them at his feet. As we lay them at his feet. You see, it's not about losing things, though. It's not about losing our life. It's not about giving away our crowns. Because sometimes even though we lose, we win. Even though we lose, we win. Because Jesus has called us to live this faithful life. And as we worship him and we cast our crowns at his feet, we're going to be in glory in heaven. And we'll hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So how do we do this? How do we go through life knowing that tomorrow might bring persecution, tomorrow might bring pain, tomorrow might bring tribulation? How are ways that we can do this? The Apostle Paul kind of showed us some of these ways. As he was uh, writing to the, the Corinthian church, he would say some things like this. As he was being persecuted, he would say, who is, who is persecuting me? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Paul was saying all these things. I'm part of that too. And then he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys. In danger from rivers. Danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Sounds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. All these things Paul went through. All of these things that he went through. So that he could write this. He could write this in 2 Corinthians 2. It says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. That's overcoming the second death. Because if we go back to Revelation 2, as he ends up this letter to the Smyrnans, he says, the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. We may be perplexed. We may be put down. But we're not destroyed. Because there's one other thing that God made us to be. He made us to be conquerors. He made us conquerors. More than conquerors, he said. Because of Christ Jesus. Through the second death, through the death of Jesus and his resurrection, we overcome that second death. We get to our eternity in heaven. We get to this, the assurance in this, in, of our salvation knowing that through Jesus and the work he did on the cross, his shed blood, 
his death, burial, and resurrection, that we're covered. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid for what might come. Because you know what's another truth? You can go out to Facebook at any time and read through, scroll through your feed, and you can see all kinds of stories about this group being persecuted, that group being persecuted. And, and we, sometimes we feel like we want to take on that persecution on ourselves, and we want to almost look for a way to be persecuted. Because that's what really makes us spiritual, right? If we're persecuted. What Jesus says here, it's not about whether you're persecuted or not. To be faithful unto death. If you're persecuted, be faithful unto death. If, it, if you're persecuted to the point of it, it means your life, be faithful unto death. But if you're the American church and persecution might be a, 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 somebody making fun of you or poking fun at you or saying something against you, Still, be faithful unto death. The key is to be faithful unto death. And the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And Jesus says when we're faithful, we get that crown of life. And in, in, the, in the scripture here, in the Bible, there's two different words used throughout the Bible for crown. One of the words is diadem. You've probably heard that, that word before. It's a royal crown. It's a crown that a king would wear, a kingly uh, crown. But there's also the other word is for the victor's crown. It's for the one who overcomes. Almost sounds like a conqueror, huh? Guess which one Jesus used here. Guess which word Jesus uses in this scripture. The conqueror's crown. The conqueror's crown. Because he's made us overcomers. He's given us that power and that authority to overcome. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? His church, his bride. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him. Who loved us. Jesus has made us more than conquerors. Jesus is the one who conquers. And he's made us more than conquerors. He's given us that ability to be more than conquerors. He's given us that ability to be faithful unto death. To move forward in our lives. To not be afraid about what might come. Because you know what? Something bad might come. Something bad might not come. Either way, our call from Jesus here today is to be faithful. To be faithful unto death regardless of how you might be persecuted or how you might not be persecuted. To be faithful unto death. So Jesus gave the Smyrnans these three things, these three instructions. They were not to be fearful for what they were about to suffer. They were to be faithful unto death. And that the one who conquers 
will not be hurt by the second death. And he's made us conquerors. If there's one challenge for us today, we like to, to be able to finish up each sermon with some sort of a challenge for every one of us. Is to walk out of here a conqueror. A conqueror. Don't walk out of here afraid. Don't walk out of here anxious or worried about what tomorrow's going to bring or what tomorrow might bring. You're a conqueror because of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's in you and you're in him. So as we leave here today, leave in the full assurance that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. What if we became the church that we stopped worrying so much about our rights and defending our rights and somebody stepping on my rights and became the church of conquerors who are on the offensive, who are headed out into the world to make a difference? Offensive. You know, the Bible says that Jesus said that we are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. Well, the gates of hell, think about it. What are gates? They're kind of a defensive thing, right? If we had the gates of the church and the gates of hell, both would just be there and nobody would be making any kind of a move toward the other. But no, he's called us to be offensive, to attack the gates of hell, to broaden the kingdom of God, to enlarge the kingdom of God. As conquerors, as conquerors, not afraid, not anxious, but as conquerors to be on the offensive. What if we were that church? What if we were the church that went out into the city as conquerors? Not afraid, not looking to be persecuted, not being overly sensitive to someone saying that, that I'm an arsonist because I believe in the fire of the Holy Spirit. What if we were the church that went out offensively and attacked the gates of hell? took back that territory, took back that kingdom for the Lord. We want to be that church. We want to be those people, those people on the move, a force in our community, in our city, in our world, a force to be reckoned with. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church, or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.